1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Here's Randy Scott and Freddie Coleman in for the guys today on Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. Tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Normally, Chris Canty will say, but a 99 Chris ain't one. When he does that at the top, Well, for the Green Bay Packers, they have more than 99-plus problems, which could lead for Aaron Rodgers to stay with this football team. So whatever speculation is going on, Randy, we haven't heard really much anything from the Prince of Darkness. He (laughs) says he's going to make a decision sooner than later. That's where he was. for fantastic. He he was up there for a couple of days in Oregon, and he could turn on the lights. He didn't turn on the lights. He didn't light a candle. Yeah, he kept the lights off when it comes to that. But now if you're Green Bay— if you decide to keep Aaron Rodgers, and we had a chance to look at this, if they decide to release him before June 1st, the dead cap number is over $99 million. If they trade him after June 1st, the dead cap number is over $40 million. If they release him before June 1st, the dead cap is $75 million. And if they decide to trade him June 1st, the dead cap is $15 million. Either way, it's not as simple as trying to find a trade partner
2: the move on from Aaron Rodgers, if you want to, if you're Green Bay, no, it's it's not going to be easy, and it reinforces your stance from the beginning on this that he's not going anywhere. I I refuse to believe that that the Nathaniel Hackett connection is something that's that's not going to be fruitful for Rodgers right. at any point anymore in his NFL career. I, he he wanted to go to Denver, Rodgers and didn't force the hand and played it out in Green Bay. He had his most successful seasons in recent memory with Nathaniel Hackett pulling the levers and pulling the strings, and now Hackett's in a spot where the Jets have made no effort to hide the fact that they're interested in bringing Rodgers over Financially, I just don't know how they get there. You can mm-hmm. you can accrue, you can agree, you, you can have a coaching staff of Aaron Rodgers, high school coach. You can bring <laughs> on Jeff Tedford from from Cal. You can have Nathaniel Hackett, and you can have David Bakhtiari, and bring in all his best pals, and, and you know Jordy Nelson at wide receiver, whatever it is, and it still doesn't make financial sense just yet. It's amazing the finances. You mentioned that because Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front
1: office insider, he says this: there's a reason why this urgent the Rogers' decision. That has plenty to do with finances. The
3: team acquiring Aaron Rodgers has to have $60 million available in cap space for at least one day. Once the Raiders, the Jets, whomever acquire Aaron Rodgers, they can renegotiate the contract and lower the cap number. But for one day, they have to have their room of $60 million to acquire that contract for the Packers. That's why you're 100% right, Greeny. While the trade will be official on March 15th, that team has to move heaven and earth, presumably, to create that sort of cap room of $60 million well before March 15th cutting players renegotiating players so there's a massive sense of urgency if you really want to acquire aaron Rodgers and have the
2: cap space to do it there's it's a tremendous point for mike tannenbaum we're this far into this discussion i mean we i felt like as a company on different platforms different shows we've chopped up the aaron Rodgers situation every yep. which way. and to hear that from mike t today was was not only eye-opening but to me it crystallized the list of NFL franchises with that much cap space mm-hmm. to even be within shouting distance, because the Bears have ninety-eight million dollars in cap space. They've made it clear they're sticking with Justin Fields. Right. That they're that they're shopping the number one overall
1: pick. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in a uniform like that, a team that he's dominated? The Chicago
2: Bears. I own you, right? Remember oh, yeah. when he was he scored that last touchdown oh, yeah. and or one of the last touchdowns of the season? No, you're right. But he's also uh Rodgers in in some of his more candid conversations has has mentioned the idea of himself in that uniform and that he's thought about it mm-hmm. at previous stops or previous uh, points in his career. Even going so far as to say that he interacted with a, a a mother and son set of Bears fans that yeah. you know one time walking through the city. Yep. I don't know. Listen, we've seen Favre play in Minnesota Vikings purple. I don't think anything's out of the realm of possibility with regard to leaving Green Bay in the rearview and perhaps not going that far. But the Bears have the cap space. The Falcons have the cap space right now. And you said he ain't he playing for the Falcons. No, I can't picture him going to that organization, even though when you got Pitts in
1: London, you got guys in the outside. But mm-hmm. if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, even if you bring him there, he's not going to bring you closer to being a playoff team. As great as he's been at this point of his career, He's not great enough to overcome the roster that you have right down there when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Defense is pretty good. Coach is not bad in Arthur Smith, but you still don't have enough of that. No. That situation is not better in Atlanta than what you have in Green Bay, which leads me back to what I've said. Even though Green Bay would love to move on from Aaron Rodgers, if you wanted to do that, then why did you sign this guy to a three-year over $150 million contract last year in which you're going to owe him close to $60 million this year? You wanted Aaron Rodgers to be there because you know, he still represents the best chance for your team to win a championship. So you can come out and say all that you want. We need to see Jordan Love to play. We got to get him out there to play. If that was being the case, then you should have moved on from Aaron Rodgers last year, but you didn't want to do that. And you made that choice. And I get it because he gives you the best chance to win a championship or get close to a championship, but now you got to deal with that if you're the Green Bay Packers because that $99 million cap hit, that hamstrings your franchise at least for another two years trying to get from underneath that
2: if you're not able to move this guy before June 1st. That's truly a poison pill. It, it absolutely is with regard to this team with this player, but if you look at... Oh man, I I don't want to I don't want to start to to envision him in Las Vegas okay. silver and black. I do right. I do want to because they're the third team on the list. They've been linked to Rogers both yeah. through Devonte Adams and and through back and not even back channels. Just in terms of. Uh, expressing interest in bringing Rodgers in, right. and they have $46 million in cap space. That's one or two moves away from getting to that 61, and the Raiders could be off and, off and running. Have I ever trusted the Raiders to make sound <laughs> financial or personnel moves? I have not. So I look farther down that list, and we, we talked about it earlier in the show. The Seattle Seahawks are compelling to me because they're within shouting distance of that $60 million number. Mm-hmm. And if you're just looking at it from a a standpoint of where could I cook, where, as a quarterback, could I absolutely deal? Throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Locke, it's not a bad spot.
1: One of the things about that, by the way, Randy Scott, that's him, Freddie Cohen, that's me, and for the guys today and Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, nothing is off the table in modern times of football. I don't care if it's high school. I don't care if it's college. Yeah. Definitely not a national football league. What did Jerry Glanville say in that thing on NFL films? NFL stands for not for long. Yeah. More than ever before. No matter if you're a coach or a player, that doesn't mean you're going to be there long term. And especially when you're Aaron Rodgers. He can say all he wants, I'm going to make a decision soon. You notice he said, We're not making a decision soon. He didn't say I'm going to get together the organization to make a decision soon. He said, yeah. I'm making a decision soon. I'm going to make up my mind because he still knows he has all that stroke in power. And more importantly, he has the leverage because Green Bay signed on his contract. If he says I'm not leaving, They have to go with the God that is Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and hope that everything is not going to blow up in their face in terms of either not winning or Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and using that personality (laughs) to wield that like the power
2: of Thor over that organization that he's done for the last four to five years. And the Packers themselves have 17 million. I mean, they're 11th in terms of cap space. They have about 17 million dollars to work with. And they've already worked with a different Aaron. On the roster, running back Aaron Jones mm-hmm. to restructure some of his deal, make sure he gets fed while still leaving a little maneuverability here. Uh, I don't, I don't know that there's a difference maker on the offensive side of the football to help Aaron Rodgers. Like right. I, 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 don't think that the drop off in statistical production happens to coincide with his age, happens to coincide with you know um, a scheme or a fit. Right? No, it's losing Devonte Adams. You lose your best offensive weapon. Just logically, it stands to reason your numbers are going to drop. And by the way, something else, when it comes to Aaron
1: Rodgers, if you're the Green Bay Packers, moving on from him is not going to be as easy as you thought it was going to be. And if you're a team, is he really worth the risk to wreck a potential salary cap or your locker room or your organization? Those are some things that will have to be considered. Canty and Carlin with Freddie Cohen and Randy Scott on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. And someone who's one of our favorite people does a great job, not just as an analyst, but really as a speaker of life. But he's also a V Foundation board member. He is Jay Billis, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, joining Freddie Coleman and Randy Scott on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. By the way, Jay, being a board member is one thing. But what do you think about that it has been 30 years? It seemed like it was just yesterday that Jimmy V was making that speech that has been for the ages and not just in sports.
4: Yeah, Freddie, uh, you nailed it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's 30 years because of how present the uh, the spirit and the image of Jim Balvano remains and how front and center he's been in the fight against cancer, even after his passing. And I, I think that was in large measure what he spoke to that night at the Espies was, uh, you know, it may not save my life, but it may save the lives of uh, it may save your life, it may save the lives of, of someone you love. And, and uh, I, I don't think any of us could have imagined what the V Foundation would become and the amount of, of good that it's done. And, you know, obviously our, our employer, ESPN, deserves a ton of credit there, but uh, none of this would happen without, uh, without, the, without Jimmy V and, and all he meant to, uh, not only to, to basketball, uh, what he meant to the company and and what he meant to, to people
2: far and wide. Jay, what, I'm curious what your own you know uh, compulsion or or call has been to n- not only get involved but stay involved at the level that you are as a board member with the V Foundation.
4: Yeah, Randy, I think for all of us, I mean, it's not a person. I, I was at a, a, a coaches versus cancer event uh, at Gonzaga years ago, and mm-hmm. somebody did something at that event that I've never forgotten. He he asked all those that were dealing with cancer to stand and a number of people did. And then he said all of those who have a, an immediate family member that's dealing with cancer and a, more people stood up and they said all those who have friends or family members that have dealt with cancer and, and now are in the past and the whole room stood up. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. that last part, when the whole room stood up, that could have been any room anywhere around the country. And it, it kind of hit you on a gut level that um, even though it may not be you, it's someone you hold dear that's dealing with cancer it's it's always been so prevalent but in the last 30 years you know we've seen cancer rates you know cure rates go up and percentages survival rates uh, go up at these incredible rates and i still feel like using a football analogy like We've moved the ball so far down the field, like we're, we're so close to the end zone in this whole thing and in this fight against cancer. And there have been incredible gains made, but, you know, we're not, we haven't punched it in yet. And the, the thing that I always try to remind people, because look, I mean, it always seems like we're being asked for money. and But th- this, this to me has been different personally. I'll only speak for me um, I, uh, I'm moved by the fact that every dollar that's donated to the V Foundation goes directly to cancer research like it's not some foundation where there's a lot of expenses and all that stuff where the money is diverted and, and a lesser amount than you give goes right to, it gets right into the hands of those who need it on the research side and the gains have been so significant you know we may not see it day to day in our lives But I've always felt like, you know, we're all like I was a role player as a basketball player in college and I was pretty proud of it. But but we're all role players in this. And and there are medical professionals, whether they're research scientists or or doctors, nurses, you name it, that are on the front lines of this. And and it's our role to give them the support that they need in this fight. And uh, and that that means money. And um, uh, sometimes, you know, when you mention money, you know, you start thinking about your pocketbook and all the things you could do with it. Sure. But then when you have a family member or yourself that's dealing with it, you know, tell me what's more important and what's the most important thing. So it's just sort of a balancing there, and uh, and so I give as much as I can, and I would encourage uh, anybody listening to give as much as they can.
1: Great start by Jay Billis, ESPN College Basketball Analyst and V Foundation board member, joining Freddie Coleman and Randy Scott on Canty and Carl on an ESPN Radio. Somebody you and I know pretty well is Jeff Jones, basketball coach at Old Dominion, played at Virginia, at the University of Virginia with Ralph Sampson, and I had to do a, I did a coaches versus cancer event with him up in Albany back in 2019. And the one thing that really jumped out to me, and he said, remember, this is always a fight. It's not just something that goes away. It's always going to be a continuous fight. And he said that as a cancer survivor, how much of that have you heard from people saying, yes, like you mentioned, moving the goalposts and the yard markers are one thing. But it's a fight that continues and everybody has to always be in it because the fight is never going to stop.
4: Well, I I see. I do think it is going to stop at some point. And that's what whether it's a a V Foundation fundraiser, gala, golf tournament, whatever it is, Freddie. I mean, I'm looking forward to the one where, you know, we we celebrate, you know, kind of the victory, because I do think that's not only possible. I think it's coming. And when you go to a V Foundation event, especially the the V Foundation event in Napa uh, every year in August, and you spend time with some of the, the, the research scientists that are there, the doctors, and, and they speak, uh, you, you find out, like, I didn't know that there was they, they were working on vaccines in this area and, and the genetic things that are going on that are way over my head. But you, you start thinking about, my, my goodness, like, the, the, the work that's being done and the breakthroughs that we're on the verge of – um, it's really inspiring, and and you know, like in, in all this stuff, in our world, we're drawn to to athletes and competitions and all that stuff, right. and then you see what a real superstar looks like that spends their lives in in service of of this kind of cause, and you can't help but but be inspired by that. But but I get your point, like you know, so right now we're we're in the midst of a, of the fight, but we've made tremendous gains, and so. Uh, the fight has shown tremendous results to this point in the last thirty years, and but I, I think we're getting to a point where we can start talking about you know we're we're going to get there like we are actually we are absolutely going to get there. I really believe that, and uh, and and there's reason behind that uh, to believe it. So I'm I'm, I'm encouraged by that. It, it's it's not only a hopeful thing. It's uh, it's it's resolved that um that w- you know we're going to have the uh, the final one of these galas that we go to in events fundraising events and uh, and it's going to be a a a celebration of the kind you know it's going to be a, a net cutting type celebration that uh where you know we'll have Jimmy V on top of a ladder on that one yeah I wow. look forward to that Amen.
2: Um, so jay you, you played obviously for uh, for coach K and Mike Shevsky who is a close friend in the coaching fraternity, also on Tobacco Road, you know, with, with Coach Valvano. I'm just curious if, if you ever got a taste of, of uh, either the, you know, affection or respect or stories or or anything, if uh, if Coach K ever let his hair down and, and, and kind of shared some of that with some of his favorite guys.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was playing, uh, Jim Valvano was the head coach at, at NC State, so we were competitors. And I think back then, um, you know, Coach K and, and Coach Valvano were not quite as close. I mean, they were they were direct competitors. That's they right, were friendly, right. but I don't know that they were best of friends. I think when when Jim left NC State um, in, in the late 80s, whatever it was, 89, uh, I, was, uh, I had come back from playing professional basketball overseas, and I was on Coach K's staff as a grad assistant. And Jim was working for ESPN and, uh, and ABC, so he would come to practice and do games. And that's when you saw the friendship really develop. And then after after Jim was diagnosed with cancer, they they became incredibly close to the point where they, they were like like brothers. And uh, Jim was treated at Duke Medical Center, so he was around a lot. and uh, And he was always so so nice and gracious and funny. And he was actually that way when when I was a player. Uh-huh. Um, I was I, I told this story a few times, like when I was playing. I I had. Uh, got lucky one time, and I, I actually blocked a dunk by Lorenzo Charles. Wow. And when we ran yes. down the other end, there was a stop. There was a stop in in the action, and and Valvano was wearing out the official, saying I had fouled him, and I was pretty close to Coach Valvano at the time, proximity wise. And I'm, I'm thinking, I didn't foul him. That was the only clean block of my career. And, uh, and then after he, after he wore the official out, he looked over me. He goes, good block. And, uh, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I just thought that, that was
1: really cool. Wow, that's tremendous. Hey, Jay, oh, appreciate man. the time. Also, all the great work you do, part of V Foundation, board member, being a part of college basketball and everything else. Thanks so much, my brother. Enjoy the weekend as well. Thank you for having me, guys. A pleasure. Outstanding stuff by Jay Bills, ESPN College Basketball Analyst V Foundation Board. Remember, don't forget college game day tomorrow Duke versus North Carolina. He'll be there with Reese Davis. Also, Jay Williams going to stop by with Alfonso Ellis and Seth Greenberg. He was here thanks to Wendy's. Wendy's 2 for $6. bucks. It is the best deal in fast food with Randy. Randy's got Infant Canteen Carlone with Freddie Coleman. Here's something else that you're going to talk about when it comes to NFL combine. We're going to use these three words it's going to be Tua, it's going to be short, and it's gonna be hard, and it's gonna be next on ESPN Radio.
3: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
0: this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple
1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Along with Randy Scott and Freddie Coleman together in for Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80. Tune in and don't forget to tell your snot speaker. We've done it the past couple of days and now it's part two of combine confidential when it comes to the NFL. It's a version of they're going to say something and we're going to tell you exactly what we heard. For example, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. What about... The team and Tua, are you two going to stay together?
2: I think it's important to recognize that we have a congruence of interest by the Dolphins and the player Tua that that both parties really want him to Play at a very high level for a long time for the Miami Dolphins. So that's part of this game that that we're all involved in. Is there are some unknowns, so you you weigh those and you you press forward and make the best decision possible for the organization. All right, he used a great word
1: called congruence, so he gets a marks for that. But when you heard that from Mike McDaniel, what exactly
2: you think he said? I'll tell you what it wasn't. You know, it's more what he didn't say. It wasn't a full endorsement of the player and the situation and we're in lockstep and we will make this work. And I think he's learned in his first year as a head coach Mm -hmm. to not over promise and under deliver. So that felt a little word salad ish and going out of your way to not be critical, but certainly also not definitively throwing full support behind one person or one situation. Yeah. What I heard was this is out of my hands. The organization is oh. going to make this
1: decision. I want Tua back. I love working with Tua. Yeah, But I got a GM and an ownership group that may not be as in love with Tua as I am based on his injury history.
2: If Lamar's available, if, if the if the kid from South Florida is a this somehow uh-huh. the Ravens screw this up. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could you not take a run if you're the Dolphins? And if you
1: don't take a run if you're the Dolphins and decide that Tua can do it for one more year, then you miss out an opportunity like that? Yeah. You're going to hear about that (laughs) in South Florida, no doubt about that. C.J. Stroud, many people believe he's going to be the next terrific quarterback in the National Football League, and he said, hey – we didn't win that game versus Georgia. That doesn't mean that it's not going to help me in the NFL. You
3: can put on my film. I think I've been the best player in college football two years in a row, and I think I've consistently done that. Uh, and I think um, that, I that honestly, I think I haven't even touched my touched my potential yet. I think that I have a lot more to, to get better at, but I have a lot more to not only prove, not only to y'all, but to myself. And that's something that I plan to do, because I honestly don't think that I even got close to anything in college yet. So I'm excited to see what i do in the NFL.
1: Okay, you heard that. What do you think he said?
2: I, I, I you know, I, I remember it wasn't too long ago uh, with the now, uh, you know, sadly uh, departed Dwayne Haskins where yeah. he was a victim or at least a victim of questions about the Ohio State offense and and being a product of the offense and is he really you know could he not run because his rushing totals were were non-existent but I think Ryan Day is trying to get these guys ready for the NFL level and you don't want to be sort of a systematic running quarterback uh, at the college level so I I say all that to say Stroud's like just because you didn't see it doesn't mean I can't do it right and we said it and and I, I, I firmly believe in a quarterback having a chip on his shoulder even someone as prolific as C.J. Stroud. I mean, they should have beaten Georgia. They were the second-best team. If you go by the college football playoff results, Ohio State was the second-best team in the country, and it was because of what C.J. Stroud was able to do to what we thought was the best collegiate defense the last couple seasons. So I love that there's even maybe sometimes a manufactured chip because you have to generate that motivation for yourself, and I love that Stroud's Stroud's there. Stroud basically told everybody,
1: did you see what I did to that defense that was stifling everybody all year long? You see the way I was making plays yeah. every every witch away, as my dad likes to say? Every witch away. Every witch away. I even made plays with my legs extending plays. And if our field goal kick was a bit more accurate, guess what would have happened? We would have won that game. So you can say whatever you want. yeah. But if I can do that to that defense, and you guys didn't think I could do it, just imagine what I'm going to do with even better coaching no matter where I land in the NFL. Mm-hmm. NFL Combine Confidential, part two with Randy Scott and Freddie Coleman on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Then you have a guy that is rocketing up draft boards. And many people still wonder about his ability, even though he's rocking up draft boards. He is Anthony Richardson. Some people said he throws the ball just a wee bit too hard. Anthony Richardson says, "When it comes to touch, you know, if you watch my film, I, I definitely can, you know, add some touch to, to the to the to the scheme. You know, um, and just growing up, you know, I've I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm throwing it too hard. So when I try to lighten up, you know, it, uh, it's not as as accurate as I wanted to be. So I, I don't care if somebody complaining about from throwing it hard; they better catch it." Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Mr. Richardson said that. Yeah, But did Mr. Scott here?
2: I, I heard a, a guy's well aware of his own limitations and maybe areas to improve. I think I think what he's understood and what a lot of prospects understand get to this point is the tape doesn't lie. I mean, that that teams will hear what you have to say. They'll talk to your coaches, well, whomever, but they will throw that tape on, and that is going to be their Bible at first. They're going to see what they see on that tape. So if they see Anthony Richardson having trouble dropping it into a bucket or throwing it too hard on a screen or whatever it is, it's not going to lie. So he yeah. can't sit out there and pretend to say something that doesn't show up on the tape. So I think he's, he's aware of his limitations. I think he also knows what... Clubs he has in his bag, and yeah. he knows what he's able to do. So we heard earlier Bristol at the idea of being a project. I think he's a, a, a young man supremely confident in his ability and just wants the opportunity to bring it to the NFL level. Yeah, what I heard was I'm going to be just fine. Yeah, okay. I haven't begun to
1: That's play the kind of quarterback that I'm going to play <laughs> because I had a chance to do it at Florida. I had a chance to be the number one draft pick in terms yeah. of being in the top ten. So, yeah, I'm not going to just stay at Florida when I had a chance to – improve myself in the NFL and not have my draft stock take a hit. I'm going to be just fine. You may not like how I'm going to be fine, but I'm going to be just fine. Last but not least, Stetson Bennett, Georgia quarterback, with all that's gone on with Georgia off the field ever since they won the national championship, he was asked, do your Bulldogs have a culture problem?
2: Uh, no. Um, You know, those were individual mistakes um, that those individuals are responsible for. Uh, You know, um, not a culture issue.
1: Okay, he said it's not a culture issue. What did you hear?
2: I I, I heard a, a spokesman for the program. I did. <laughs> I mean, still, I I, I don't. I think if we're being honest. I don't think Stetson Bennett's. Lasting football impact is going to be on an NFL level. I think it's going to be as as a two-time champion on the collegiate level in the SEC in one of the longest seasons in, in college football you know, on, on, on record. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's – I don't want to say he's caping for the program, but I do think he understands better than most that this isn't a 53-man roster. I mean, we're, we're dealing with 80 players in yeah. some of these situations. So he's essentially saying a couple of bad apples doesn't spoil the bunch. Yeah. What I heard was I didn't do anything wrong.
1: You notice he said – other individuals, and that they have issues, uh-huh, never mind the fact that Stetson Bennett was involved in the situation too, once the season was over, oh where yeah, he was under the influence being involved something off the field. a lot easier to point fingers, I guess, when you got that kind of stroke if you're Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. being a two time national champion with Georgia. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, with Randy Scott, hit him on Twitter, <laughs> Randy Scott ESPN. I'm Freddie Coleman, hit me on Twitter, Coleman ESPN, part of Canty and Carlin. Oh, so close to doing something that many people thought was never going to be broken when it comes to this record. That's part of Three and Out, next on ESPN Radio. And Carlin, The podcast with Randy Scott and Freddie coming in for the guys on Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, series X and channel 80 tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. All he needed was four points. The he I'm talking about Antoine Davis of Detroit. Mercy fell just short of Pete Maravich NCAA career scoring mark. The Titans lost 71 to 66 to Youngstown state in the horizon league conference tournament. He needed four points to set the record. He fell three points side tying the record of six hundred and sixty seven points set by Pete Maravich in 1970. No one thought that he would even get close to this. And he came that close, Randy, to breaking a mark that many people believe no one is ever going to break or even get close to.
2: So very close. But it makes me respect Pete Maravich so much for what he did at LSU three yeah. seasons. Because you couldn't play as a freshman. Imagine that. Couldn't mm. play as a freshman. So he played the rest of the uh, collegiate career, 83 games, no three-point line. And he put wow. up 3,667 points. So he averaged uh, four <laughs> He mm. averaged almost 44 points a game for three straight years. Yeah. Antoine Davis is a fifth-year senior. I'm taking nothing away from the young man. Nope. He has played 144 games to still not break the record. Sixty more games, Freddie. Yeah, and a three-point line. He's a prolific three-point shooter. He holds the all-time three-point record on the collegiate level. But five full seasons, one hundred and forty-four games, and still didn't get there.
1: I can only imagine if there was a three-point line when Pete Maravich played. He might have. He'd definitely gone past four thousand, maybe Uh, even forty-five hundred.
2: Yeah. No. If you go, if if he played a fourth season at forty-four points per and and call it twenty-six games. That gets you uh, yeah, they get you over a thousand points. So he would have been he would have been close to five thousand.
1: Jeez. Yeah and then add on three point shots as well because that's Forget how deep it. he was shooting yep. back in the sixty with the floppy socks and the Beatles haircut <laughs> that he had going on. Tiger Woods announcing today he's not gonna play in the twenty twenty three players championship with the Masters as his likely next tournament appearance when that happens in April. I'm kinda glad that we're not hearing too much about the live golfing. Based on their yeah. ratings. Yeah. Uh, their ratings didn't even outdraw reruns of Modern Family, just putting it out there. And then they put out a statement saying, well, we have 3.2 million people watching in Mexico. If you got to use a different country to help out your ratings and your sport and your league, eh, it may not be too good <laughs> for Liv.
2: My thing my thing with Tiger, is he's got to be a victim of his own success in this respect at the Masters. He's the reason the course is more difficult literally to walk. And that is his biggest issue. He said as much, playing in his most recent tournament out at uh, out at at the Genesis. It's not a matter of putting together golf shots, as he proved in his right. in his uh, in his third round. It, it's instead, or rather, second round. It's an issue of physically walking seventy two holes on what's now become a longer and a hillier course. As Augusta tried to quote unquote Tiger proof itself after he just shattered shattered records in ninety
1: seven. I'm just glad that. We're still talking about Tiger Woods being alive when two years ago, more than that, he was this close not to being here.
2: And to not walking, right. even once he did survive the crash. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so whatever he wants to do, he can do whatever he wants, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on the golf course, even off the golf course. Whatever that epiphany has been for him, if he'll take this. Having troubles walking the golf course, when to your point, Randy, it seemed like he was never, ever going to walk again. That's something yeah. we all can rally around with Tiger Woods.
2: Still got, you know, three years till he turns 50. Uh, you know, there's still plenty of good and plenty of winning golf mm-hmm. in, in front of him. I, I truly don't believe we've seen the last of Tiger Woods holding some trophy somewhere. Uh, I'd be amazing to see it at Augusta again.
1: No doubt about that. Randy Scott, Freddie coming in for the guys on Canty and Carlin and ESPN Radio doing a little three and out brought to you by Geico. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today. Last but not least. Number one versus number two tonight in the West. The Memphis Grizzlies, they are the number two team. The Denver Nuggets, they're the number one team. That game at 10 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. I don't want it so much about Memphis in terms of not saying that they're fine in the West. I'll leave it for job and right to figure that out in the playoffs. But when it comes to the Denver Nuggets, I want to see how they handle being the hunted. They've always been the hunter. But now for the first time since they've been in the NBA from the NBA aba merger, Randy. Yeah. Everybody is chasing Denver and trying to catch Denver. I want to see exactly, because they're loaded, but how they're going to handle that.
2: For as tight as the Western Conference standings are, and we're, we're guilty of this on SportsCenter AM, we're constantly trying to find a way to crystallize or encapsulate Exactly how crazy it is in the Western Conference. The fact that you know the Lakers are right now out of that that ten seed that that play in tournament, yeah. but they're so they're fourteen games back at Denver, but they are uh, two games back of being in the seventh seed uh-huh. where, where the Clippers are. It's, right. it's 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 wild to me how tightly compacted everything is, with the exception of Denver. Denver has run away from everyone in the West. I mean, they are f- a full five games up on Memphis. And you believe in Sacramento as the three seed. So yeah. to me, I'm I'm buying. I'm buying what Denver is selling. I love obviously the consistency that Jokic and, and really the ability for the dad bod god to <laughs> to impact the game when he decides it's a night that he's just not going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times you see an MVP candidate decide? No, I'm just going to I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to have 16 assists and 15 rebounds. And Denver wins by 20. Jamal Murray's fully healthy. Absolutely. Michael Porter Jr., when he's healthy, is such a difference maker. And I love Michael Malone. So I'm, I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying Denver. I'm in
1: on the Denver Nuggets because I clearly be, believe based on what you said. But handling that pro pressure when everybody's eyes are going to be on you. I can't wait to see how they handle that. I'm not saying that they're not going to. I just want to see it. That's not trying to shade them. I'm not sliding them. I just want to see exactly how they handle what Golden State has gone through. What Cleveland went through all those years with LeBron James. Hell, what LeBron James done his whole NBA career. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see how that's going to fly because Memphis thought they were ready and they didn't get out of the second round. The Buffalo Bills thought they were ready. They didn't get out of the second round in the NFL. It's one thing to say, we're going to be the
2: man, but when you're the man, how do you handle that? And that's, and you know, I wonder how Michael Malone handles that because he doesn't have, you know, obviously a Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich sort of pedigree, or Rick Carlisle even uh, with regard to. To get into that promised land. Uh, There's something to be said for being too young to know any better. Absolutely. You know, there's something to be said for being too inexperienced to understand the weight or the magnitude of what you're going into. And I think as long as L.A.'s relevant, uh, the pressure that's going to be on the Lakers in the Western Conference to get into the tournament takes some of that spotlight away from Denver. We'll see. Yeah, put it this way. The Lakers, they may be in the Western Conference playoffs
1: only with a ticket. That may be the only way. (laughs) that the Lakers (laughs) are going to be in the Western Conference playoffs. (laughs) I'm not saying. I'm just saying. This is a blast, bro. Let's do this again. Exactly. Please. Uh, Absolutely. Line it up. Powers that be, let this happen again because we had a blast. Randy Scott-Freddy coming in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. You got Joe and Amber next to get ready to kick off your weekend. This is the mighty ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.